Hello and welcome to Teratma Review. I am Madhumita Mugia, European Technology Correspondent at the Financial Times, filling in for Gideon Rachman, who was always only in this week's podcast. We're looking at social media, its role in real world harms and violence. My guest is Corey Crater, a human rights lawyer. She set up a for profit organization, Kale Fox Globe, which is focused on litigating and campaigning against the misuse of technology by big tech companies like Facebook and by governments around the world. So how has social media endangered our safety and what are governments gonna do about it? Over, over the past few years, I've spent time reporting on the real life consequences <clears throat> that misinformation and hate speech online can have. In Myanmar, military leaders use social media as a tool to demonize the Rohingya Muslim minority during a campaign of ethnic cleansing. In India, rumors spreading on WhatsApp groups have led to the religious rioting. And in New Zealand, a terrorist who shot worshippers in a mosque called YouTube as his source of inspiration. My interest in the impact of social media on society took me Brussels last year, where I met Frances Haugen, a former Facebook product manager and Weistel blower. She's released thousands of pages of leaked memos to US regulators, which indicate Facebook places profits over the safety of its, its 2.9 billion users. They've also showed how Facebook plays on the harm it can to society. Here's what Francis Howen told the Senate Commerce Committee nine months ago. I'm here today because I believe big Facebook products harm children, stuck division, and waking our democracy. The company's leadership knows how to make Facebook and Instagram safer, but won't make the necessary change because they have put their astronomical profits before people. Hogan ignited a discussion that had repercussions all over the world amongst regulators, the media, and human rights activists. I started our conversation by asking Corey Crider to discuss how she came to take on Big Tech after spending her career defending Guantanamo prisoners. Before I or my co-founders got into this big tech area. We had worked a lot in the national security and human rights space. I didn't do technology stuff at all for the first decade plus of my work as a human rights lawyer. I did Guantanamo detainees and I did people who had lost love once in their attacks. And that's what me really started thinking about my data system and how they can be used to abuse human rights. Basically, so at my own non-profit, which is college reprieve, would interview people who has lost innocent love once in these drone attacks in places like Yemen or Pakistan. Time and again, somebody who has just clearly not just not a terrorist, but not even a kind of low level of a militant group would have been targeted and killed in these attacks. And we started to wonder what is happening. And then one day, a man called Michael Hayden, who was previously the head of the CIA and the NCA, at different times sat on a panel and said something extremely rebelling. He said, We kill people based on metadata, and we thought, hang on, what does that mean? 
Metadata is of course information on your phone that isn't the content of the a text message that you sent me, but it's about when you sent a message, maybe where you were, all of those other little bits of details that the government can use to paint a picture of your life, your movements, maybe who you are, or so the Obama administration thought. So anyway, it turns out some of the very first disclosures Westerblom by Edward Snowden about the NCIA and how the surveillance program works involved the way that surveillance data fed into the drone killing program and so under the Obama administration there were these things euphemistically referred to as signature strikes that was the government's shorthand for an attack on a group of people whose identities the government did not know. It was an attack on a phone or a pattern of, of phone behaviors and as a result of this, people were repeatedly losing their lives or were losing their loved ones who had no affiliation with militant groups, basically because of an overwhelming confidence in the power of big data, as it was in called. Now it just gets called AI, doesn't bad, but it's the same broad issue. I think it's in once you see a frame around a problem like that them, you know, you see the problem popping up everywhere. And we realized that the UK government was using these mass data systems to make incredibly important decisions about people in ways that people weren't asked about and didn't understand and probably wouldn't support. But finally, I think we started to realize that while lots of us had been worried in civil society and human rights groups about the NCA or HEA and mass surveillance by governments. Over the past 10 years, a handful of California corporations had amassed a level of information and power over us and about us that would, would be, honestly be the envy of most states. And so we thought, well, hang in a minute, what are people doing about Facebook? What are people doing about Google?